Welcome back to Two Dudes Watch Cartoons, the podcast where two dudes, that's us, watch cartoons. My name's Evan. And my name is Alex, and today we are covering The Legend of Vox Mahina. And in typical fashion for Evan and I, when we don't have all the facts, stats, what have you, <laughs> we bring in an expert. So I'd like to welcome the third dude here today, Mr. Tommy Pizzullo. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm very excited to talk about this show uh, in particular. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm a full expert, but I got my little professor hat on and I'm ready to teach some lessons about uh, Critical Role of Vox Machina and everything in between. I do that. I throw the expert label around and my cousin Brett did the same thing. He's like, I don't know if I'm an expert. But. You got to set it low. You got to set yeah. the so – yeah. they're listening and they're like, oh, man, he he's an expert. But if we yeah, set it at top, point, yeah. it's relative I, for sure. I should be like, this guy we picked up off the street. We don't know how much he knows. And then people will be really impressed with all the knowledge you have. Yeah. Like, oh, like fun fact. I just was on the streets, but I know yeah. so much about Vox Machina. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we are talking about the legend of Vox Machina. Uh, which Wikipedia describes as an American adult animated fantasy streaming television based off the very popular Critical Role podcast, which is a Dungeons and Dragons, a couple of voice actors doing it live on the show. And that's about as much as I knew about the show going in. Do either of you to listen to Critical Role? Yeah, what actually got this all started was Tommy in the middle of Critical Role's second season got me to listen. So I jumped right in, finished that, and they have just started season three. I do follow along with it. It's one of my podcasts in rotation. I'm a little behind at the moment. Tommy's always giving me crap for that. But um, yeah, Tommy is a big, big into D&D. Um, and he's the one who got me into Dungeons and Dragons to begin with and the show, the podcast. So I'm glad he could be here with us because anything I don't know, which is going to be a lot, he, he should have a better understanding of. Mm -hmm. um, Tommy, why don't you talk a little bit about your relationship with Critical Role? Because I guess that's uh, what brought us here today. Yeah, I uh, got into Critical Role later than I probably should have because like everyone I knew was watching it and I'm like oh but it's like a five-hour podcast like that's <laughs> that's a lot yeah. and so but eventually I got back into it um because like I, yeah I got super into D&D especially during quarantine uh I got like deep and I'm still real deep into it guys but uh <laughs> Critical Role was one of those things that I just found that you know, it, it's a group, they call themselves, you know, ner nerdy ass voice actors playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like that's what they are. Mm -hmm. And um, their storytelling is just so good. Matt Mercer, the DM is just. Matt's amazing. Matt is something else because he plays so many characters on the podcast. And I guess, you know, let's start with the podcast a little because it, it, it is so important to this story per se mm -hmm. uh, of the show itself. And so Critical Role, it's it's a weekly podcast where like Tommy said, for about like four or five hours, they do a, a Dungeons and Dragons campaign and it continues week after week. And it is so fun. They are so good. They're voice actors. So for being into animation, mm -hmm. they all are really good character actors. And over a podcast, it, it's all voice acting. So it's really cool to see them. And they are just a total group of nerds. It, sometimes even just like the inside jokes, they'll murmur to each other. I'm like, oh, I know that's from community or oh, I know that's from 30 rock. Like, that's so funny. I'm glad I picked up on that. So I love listening to them. They're like a good group of friends and they're just having a great time. So if you are into Dungeons and Dragons, if you're into this show, 
it's definitely a podcast worth checking out. Yeah, and it's, if you haven't heard of them, I'm surprised because even if you're not into D and D, like they're big, like you know, it, they're it, massive. Yeah, huge. Yeah. Twitch, like it was released, how like they're like the most profitable Twitch stream right now. Like it's ridiculous. It's yeah. So Tommy, you have some experience, and you currently are running a campaign with a group, correct? Yeah, I'm running. have to do that in about two hours, <laughs> so we'll keep an eye on the clock. But uh, how long have you been playing Dungeons & Dragons? Yeah, so I've been playing since probably 2016. I'm on and off, right? Like, I, uh -huh. I went in, I would play a couple of games, uh, did a campaign, finished that, didn't, did a couple one-shots, and then recently I got into a way bigger campaign where it's like, 60 players with nine dms and we kind of rotate yeah it's called a west march so it's a whole different kind of entity uh and then kind of run a couple other games on the side i, I run a game with uh with alex and uh mm -hmm. then i play way too many games that i have a hard time <laughs> saying no to so i'm in, in a lot of games right now yeah so i think what's interesting about this show vox mahina to bring it back to the dungeons and dragons of it all is this show was like crowdsourced like the podcast mm. was just so popular that they were like, hey, we want to make a TV show. And fans were like, take my money. Take my money. We want the TV <laughs> show, too. And that's like to me, that has to be like the highest compliment as a creator for fans to be like, let us fund your project. We so desperately want to see. And I'm getting like goosebumps just talking about it. Like, that's so cool for them. And mm -hmm. I it's part of what I really enjoy about the show is just kind of the how we got here of it all. You know what I yeah. mean? And the story's wild. So like to get into it a little bit. So like they're mm -hmm. they're a podcast and they were like, you know, maybe we would like to get into, you know, a show maybe. And so they started they're voice actors. That's yeah. what they do for their profession. Not to mm -hmm. cut you off. Go on. No, you're good. And they, they started pitching it and either people were like, ah, I don't I don't know if this is going to work. Or they said they just wanted to change a lot of it. Um, they were like, no, we'd have to, you know, adapt. So they were like, okay, whatever. So they went to, yeah, Kickstarter. And this is the thing I like about Critical Role is the people, they almost don't know how good they are because they never mm -hmm. think anything's going to blow up. They never think it like one of the, one of their first couple of streams, they started, they were like, oh, we're going to make t-shirts. We'll, we'll just make a hundred. They literally sold out in like the first five minutes they announced it. Like it was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And so that's the same thing with this. They did the Kickstarter and they're like, all right, we're going to do two episodes just for you guys. Like we're not going to do a full series because it's us. Like if we can get a million dollars, we'll do two episodes. In an hour from the Kickstarter starting, they raised a million dollars, and then it, it kept going. I think it ended up being like nine million, maybe by the end. It was the most funded wow. at the time, the most funded Kickstarter. It was around the time of like That's Veronica nice. Mars movie, all the other bigger stuff, and yet mm -hmm. Critical Role was just people were like, please, please make this for us. And you know, they ended up getting uh, twelve episodes, and then picked up by Amazon. And then renewed like right away. We're like, yeah, we also want another season two. So like, they're already renewed for a second season. They renewed for season two before it even aired. Like, mm -hmm. that's not easy to do. And so, yeah. just looking at like the numbers, the stats, all of that, like, this is definitely has a huge audience following. Just alone from the people who like willed it into existence with with their checkbooks so to go big picture of it all i really think it is a testament to like the times we are in is where like mm -hmm. even 10 15 years ago most dungeons and dragon players were very 
not open about playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like nerd culture has taken over. We have a podcast where we solely talk about cartoons (laughs) and people listen to it. Ten years ago, that wouldn't have worked. Uh, So like I think just as a whole, like it's cool seeing these these really fun, creative outlets because Dungeons and Dragons is like for those who don't know, it's like no other game you've ever played. And mm-hmm. if you have any sort of love of like acting, improv, fantasy, uh, uh, just like cooperative games, it's something you should look into because there's something for everyone there. I think what Alex is trying to say is if our listeners want to give us a million dollars, we'll make a TV show of us watching cartoons. Get out of here. Was yeah. It? yeah. You said that, not me. And you know what? Be, do it in less than an hour. Really, really give it the critical role. Just stuff it in our pocket. Come on, you cowards. All right. This um, is so, the official announcement. We're starting now. Just but so, uh, I mean, we are talking about critical role a lot, but that and, and this is. They're so tied together. They're very tied together, which I wasn't aware of at first. I knew going into it, I knew that it was, you know, a lot of the people involved with the podcast were part of it, but I didn't know that it was directly based on their their first campaign. Yeah. So uh, let's get into that is from my, so this is interesting here. We have Evan's perspective who has listened to zero of Critical Role. We have my perspective who's listened to new Critical Role. So I have not listened to anything that this tv show is about and we have tommy who i think knows every in and out of season one so <laughs> from my understanding and i'm excited to hear if i'm correct because this is just what i'm thinking is this follows a, sto- a one, part of their story in season one loosely i think it hits a lot of the same plot points but like mm-hmm. tommy said it's a four-hour improv campaign where there's a lot of like back and forth and other things that I'm sure it's not like a one for one remake of their podcast. Yeah. Big thing they talked about, like um, one of the guys, one of the guys on the podcast, same uh, Regal, but he also was like him and Travis Willingham. Both. Sam's my fave. Yeah. Yes. Sam's great. And, <laughs> and both of them were heavily involved in the animation process. They directed and wrote a lot of these episodes and they talked about this. Like we already have the podcast. It's already a thing. If you want to go out there and watch that stuff, you it's there. So like they really did want to separate it as much as they can, but it's also like it's it, the story's great. And so yeah, this is based on the first two episodes are based on pre-stream stuff because they they were playing for a year before they ever went to Geek and Sundry. So they were playing for a whole year, and then the first two episodes are based on a couple things there, and then mm-hmm. the rest of it is all the Briarwoods arc. So that's like the second arc in the campaign, and it's a, a big one. Like it's the first one where people yeah. are like, oh shoot, this is. D can get real like it's emotional people they cry on stream like things happen that get really intense and this was the first arc where it's like oh no <laughs> love that so evan i feel like i didn't have any backstory on these characters i didn't know who they were i had never heard of them did you feel confused like you had been missing something a little bit not knowing that it was based on a campaign i thought it was just going to be like an episodic monster hunting monster of the week type of thing, which I would have been down for. And not, I'm not complaining about what it is, but it's like, I didn't know what I had signed up for. If that mm-hmm. makes any sense, it's like, Oh, I got to know this or who's it? Percy becomes essentially the main character of the season. It was, was like, a bit oh. of a twist. <laughs> yeah. Episode one. I was like, I thought he would have been like a B character, you know? So there were just certain things. It's like looking back at it now, it's like, Oh, I can see how this is, 
based on a, a D&D improv slightly made up campaign because like the pacing uh, kind of shifts and uh, just from the beginning, it's like you got to I mean, I'll up. just say it. You're, I feel like you're dancing around it. The first two episodes were not great. <laughs> and it gives you yeah. like a really almost bad impression of what you think the show is going to be. Mm-hmm. But then episode three and on is phenomenal. I think I don't know yeah. if that's exactly what you're getting at, Evan, but yeah. I agree with you based on the first two episodes. I thought it was going to go into episode arcs yeah. of a yeah. story every time. And so it really caught me off guard when I was like, oh, no, we have like a much bigger story going on here. <laughs> and not to say I because I, I enjoyed it. I liked yeah. that it did that. But the first two episodes, it, it throws you off a little. And I even think Tommy told me, he's like, you, you kind of got to make it through the first two episodes. And then mm-hmm. it really picks up. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting. And I can really see why now. And I'm wondering, and I have not gone back and rewatched it, but I'm wondering if the first two episodes are really to try and set up the characters because there's a lot of characters. And that mm-hmm. was one thing I was worried I was going to not like, I guess. But it didn't bother me at all. I feel like I knew, had a very good sense of who everyone was, even if I didn't always remember their name properly. I always <laughs> knew who was doing what and kind of what their motivation was. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree that the first two feel almost like a completely different adventure. And I think, but I will say, I think if you don't have those first two, you would feel jarring. Like you're just getting thrown into this this campaign, right? And it's like you almost need the first two to get used to the group, see that they're like kind of misfits yeah. that, that are really good, but like, they're misfits that just band together and like, you know, do a lot of stupid things, but then also succeed, you know, kill the Which dragon. Yeah. Classic D and D group. They make a ton of mistakes. They banter off each other. They don't always agree. Um, so I, I do love that aspect of it. Yeah. The way I had described it to Alex is like, and part of it is because I've during the first two episodes, I did doze off. At a and this point, is but, not a show you can like look yeah. at your phone, but, doze off a little. You know, I start episode one. It's the adult animated fantasy. They're cracking a bunch of jokes. That stuff didn't always land with me. And that's probably the part of the show that I didn't prefer. But then I would like doze off, wake up, and it's like action fantasy. It gets pretty serious into lore. And like, I told Evan he had to go back. I was like, you missed something big. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm definitely missing something. I like woke up to a different show. I was like, I, I really like this show. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it was episode three. Maybe four. I think it's episode three when they are fighting the Briarwoods, yep. where I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. And mm-hmm. it, someone, and it may have been my cousin Brett, good cousin Brett, he goes, oh yeah, it's D&D anime. And for some reason, I had not attached the anime connotation to it yet. Mm-hmm. I was more like Evan, just considering it like adult animation. Mm-hmm. And when I started looking at it a little more like an anime, I was like, Oh yeah, this shit slaps. This is really good. <laughs> yeah, the lore stuff is great, and like even in the first two episodes, there's like moments where you get it, like right, like the town getting destroyed and the kid, like all that stuff is so deep and so like that was great. Yeah, but then it's I think the other thing and like what you're saying, Evan, like I have heard from a lot. Some of the raunchiness gets a lot, especially from Scanlan. Like, and it's weird mm-hmm. because in the in the podcast, I think it's because it's five hours. 
he does that same stuff, but it's like it's spread throughout. As More opposed- dull, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not as concentrated in a thirty-minute episode yeah. where he's talking about butt plugs and. and- yeah. Although was- <laughs> I will say, when it's it's the same fight where I they're like out having the fight of their lives, and he is inside like gyrating with cake flying all over the audience. <laughs> I, I like laughed out loud when that happened. I was like, that was hilarious. So I yeah. agree. While not all of the raunchiness landed for me, there were times where I was like, oh, that was pretty funny <laughs> yeah and i think you need it for like you know i don't want to give too much but where scanlan goes i think you need this setup for that character of like this is where he is at this point and like everything there's so much setup. even like the first two episodes we talk about but like that's setting you up for the end stuff like that's yeah. you know it's it's all it's all there <laughs> it's all there um while we are moving on from the first two episodes i, I did want to shout out david Tennant, who plays the the villain in the first two episodes I love David Tennant. I'm a big David Tennant fan. So when I realized that was him, I was like, oh my God, I love David Tennant. (laughs) Well, in general, it's like, we talk about the voice actors of like the actual cast, right? Which like, not to downplay, like they're, they're not just voice actors. They're like some of the biggest voice actors. Like Ashley Mm -hmm. Johnson, I like didn't realize so recently, like voice Gretchen from Recess. Like I knew all the other. Infinity Train? Yeah, Yeah, did Infinity Train. Train. And you know, she was one of the best voice actors. And I was like, oh, it shows that she's done a lot of voice acting last of us is the other one she played yeah i always recognize her from uh she's the girl who gets rescued by cap in the first event she is oh my god i can't believe you (laughs) recognized her from that i have to like imdb it and i think i was literally just talking about this with tommy last week is that's such an out of place scene in that movie she a hundred percent was supposed to have some sort of big part because they show her like three four times it's a classic Joss Whedon move. It's a total Joss Whedon move. He does it God. in Justice League with the Russian family. It's like, stop it. Oh my Joss. God. You're so right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But this is not about adventures. It's about <laughs> Ashley Johnson. She is great. Her character in this Pike, like I said, I didn't know anything about her, but Pike goes on a little bit of her own journey and there's like a lot of self-reflection. And I was like, oh, they picked the perfect one because she she really nailed those parts. Like you can hear her acting in her voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it shows also where, you know, you talk about David Tennant. They got all these voice actors because yeah. they're in the industry. Like David Tennant, you get a hobbit. They had an actual hobbit, you know, like they had uh, you have Gray, you know, Azula herself playing Delilah. Like, that is that was the, another one. So and she was perfectly cast. Yeah. There were times where I was like, oh, it sounds like Azula. But then there was other times where I was like, oh, this is this is perfect. Yeah. Should we go episode by episode or go through what, characters? You know what? Let's go through the characters because there's a lot of them. And I think if we go episode by episode, we may leave Take some things her. out weirdly enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> like I said, it, it's weird because you don't consider this person the main character when the show starts, which I kind mm-hmm. of like. That's like a and d thing is there's not a main character in D&D. It, it mm-hmm. spotlights different people at different times. And this show did a good job of doing that. It, while Percy was definitely the main character for season one, we we got bits of everyone else in their story. It, it did not really – it felt true to D&D, I think, is the best way to put it. But so our main character, I would say, is Percy DeRolo. Um, if we're going full D&D, I believe he's an artificer. Is that his class, Tommy? No. So he – Okay. Shit. So when – well, no, you're not – this is a very unique class that they made specifically for this because they were originally playing on Pathfinder, which is a whole different game. But they found that D, like a 5e, what they're playing on, was a better 
uh, streaming version. So they adapted it, and he plays a gunslinger. So that is a custom class from Pathfinder that they've adapted into. Never it. even heard of that. Yeah. Okay, I was so confident he was an artificer. You're, God damn it! You're like like <laughs> that's basically essentially like very similar. Uh-huh. So you're not like off on a on a wrong direction. They're very similar. Whatever he is, class wise, Percy's cool as shit. I love, I just, this is such a weird thing that I noticed while watching this. I love a cool main character. <laughs> I like I know that's such a basic thing to say, but there are main characters that are yeah. goofy or like lighthearted and, and those are fine. I don't not enjoy those. But while watching this, I was like, God damn, Percy's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if we followed Sasuke instead yes! of Naruto. Yeah. We just get a we get a Seto Kaiba instead of Yugi. You're so right. Yeah. <laughs> it's the cooler one. It's following the yes. Yeah, instead of Yugi's stupid kid ass. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, Percy's interesting, and like what what you're saying of like it, he comes into the spotlight here, even in the campaign. Like they're obviously they played a lot, but he was kind of more of a secondary character. He was more of a support guy. Would come in, he was brought into the campaign mostly because he played D and D before, and not uh, not all, all of them did. So he was kind of like there to like help people. Mm. And then like yeah, then this arc came because like what kind of how D and D works is like it's a combination of you write your own backstory, but then like the DM will do stuff. So like I think mm. Percy only gave Matt like six the six names told him like the whole backstory but like matt made it what it was like matt made this like entire arc himself and that's what i was saying is matt is like while the others are great in the show matt is really the 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 heart and soul of of critical role he does so much for it yes yes i guess i we should yeah he's the dm so he plays basically any other character that's not them and he he's the one creating most of the story. And man, his stories, the, the dude could be a full-time writer, in my opinion. Uh, he is gotcha. so intricate with his stories. And so the thing with Percy, it, it, let's just go character by character. So Percy has a revolver and it's got six names on it. How cool is that? And he's like, I am going to use this for vengeance on these six names. My favorite line of the whole season is they're asking him about, he's talking about the names, explaining it. And they go, who's the sixth barrel for? And they don't answer it. They just they, cut they move on. Like, oh, well, he's going to fucking shoot himself. That's what <laughs> I thought. Oh, my God. I was so <laughs> positive. It was after the five names. He had to yep. shoot himself. So that's what everyone thought as well in like the campaign. Right. And if you actually watch that scene again, if you look at the background, his shadow has the, the angle. The, the shadow shows the gun pointing to his head that's and that's cool and like, like yeah it but like the real fact is like they've talked about it after and both matt and percy or both matt and tallison who plays percy came up with the same idea which was after you you did the five names it would just re, it would just recycle there'd be new names it never new ends names. so it's a will, never-ending ooh. cycle of vengeance i think that was yeah. so What's cool about Percy also is he's like the gunslinger. I called him an artificer. So he deals with like technology <laughs> and like more, more like advanced stuff than your D and D. Like he's not dealing with uh-huh. like nature magic or, or, or stuff of that. He, and like, he's the one that's like possessed by like a, a demonic soul. Like he's the one with the supernatural curse. I thought that was really mm-hmm. cool. Cause to me, I thought he was just going to be like the, Oh, I come from the advanced civilization and I shoot guns and I have this tech that you guys don't have. You don't know about gunpowder. I thought that was going to be his character. Like he yeah. was going to be like the snooty rich outcast. He was like, Oh, I can't believe we're staying in these. And he just turned out to be none of that. And I loved it. <laughs> That was one of the things. It sneaks up on you if you don't 
have the background of critical role uh it's like oh he's got a tragic origin story oh he's talking about his parents again oh this is the central plot line oh okay (laughs) yeah it takes literally a whole episode of focusing on him for you to be like oh wait this is gonna be about him yeah and they do a good job of like slow burning it but also like kind of handing i'm gonna keep talking about it's like the animation also just like helps so much there's so much stuff like you said you can't be on your phone because a lot of it's show not tell and like Every time he puts his mask on, you never actually see him put his mask on, right? They always, mm-hmm. if you watch, they'll Such have like a good detail. They'll have like a person in front of him, and then he'll walk walk behind him, and then the mask will be on. And it's so good. And it's like Percy is such a complicated character. I I think he's a little more evil than they give him credit. Like he's technically chaotic neutral, I think, or something. I'm like, no, he's like he's yeah. he's like way more <laughs> evil. Like especially with this like demon, you know, and like that. It's such a big character, and like in the campaign, like no one knew this stuff right so they're just like figuring it out as they go and like the big moment where like the gun goes in the acid right that was completely so a lot of this is from the campaign and like Mm -hmm. that was just sam thinking maybe it's like sam just did that and it's scanlan and just threw it in and like it ended up being the demon stuff and like no one knew it was just a complete you know like i think scanlan did it as like a joke and they were like, oh, no, my gun. And then it, Matt was like, oh, and a little bit of demon you see evaporates in the acid or whatever. And you're like, oh, no, there was more in it still. Oh, yeah. So. I definitely. That was one of the moments I missed when I dozed off. I think they're in the jail. And then I like woke up to him and he's got the mask on and the like the smoke around him. And I swear to God, he said, I'm vengeance. I was like, I know I've been watching a lot yeah. of that. <laughs> Did I hear that correctly? Yeah. And he's the character where a lot of those lines are straight from Tullison. From the, when he improvised it, like a lot of that, the, the, your soul is, um, what's the line? It's like forfeit. Your, your soul, soul is forfeit. I was like, Oh yeah, that's like straight from him. And like, uh, and then, you know, we haven't even tried to attempt it. The whole joke with his name, right? Like he has such a long name and he finally yeah. says it and takes the throne, but it's always the joke in the campaign of like, you know, <laughs> he has the longest, the name of all time. It's like what? Per- Percival, Frederickson, Von Musel, Klawowski, DeRolo the third. Yeah. I was like, Holy yes. So that's funny to me. Un, uh, while we're on like jokes, I I I, I got to imagine this is one Evan didn't pick up on, but Tommy kind of pointed it out to me because I, I was like, what is going on with? They always have trouble opening doors. Anytime there's a door, <laughs> they have trouble, and that's like such a D and D thing. Is they're like, okay, I'm gonna roll to uh, unlock the door, unlock and they the like door. can't. Yeah. What is that? What is that skill? Dexterity or or what? What would it be? It would be uh, slight a hand check because you're gonna try okay. to. You know, or or you can try to knock it down. There's many ways to uh, to handle a door, but they definitely yeah. always struggle with it. They usually yeah, and, like- they, and, and they show it in the show. They always are struggling with a door, which I thought was really funny because when I first started playing D and I was like looking it up, and one of the memes was like, "One time my campaign spent two hours trying to open a door, and then we realized it was unlocked." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, that's so funny!" Because yeah. they just like assumed it was locked, and they just started going to town, and then they were, someone was like, "Have we even tried just opening it?" <laughs> yeah no and that's you know a big thing in D and like this group definitely uh and it's like he keep you know at a certain point it's like man maybe you should uh get really good at this they never do they never get better <laughs> at opening doors but yeah percy is is an interesting character and i think they do a really good job with his backstory they even like being able to see these flashbacks and being able to see all this mm. stuff it's just it's so cool seeing like his family and then like, you don't get that. Right. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's just voice. It's just Matt telling you the story, but now you get to physically see this stuff and it gives a whole different layer to him. And and he's, you know, 
I think they did a really good job of setting him up in this. I, I, you know, obviously, I think in the and he's going to go more in the shadows uh, in the future seasons. But you yeah, know, mm-hmm. they've oh, established. Them. Well, no, no, no I'm saying not... it's in general, it's a rotating okay. cast of main characters. Evan. He'll still okay. have his moments. He still yeah, will have still moments. Okay. okay, so I'm sure we'll talk more about Percy as we go on because it, it's he's the you know his story's caked into the whole plot. Let's move on to a new character, Tommy. Which character do you want to go to from here? This is kind of fun. Let's like popcorn around. Yeah, um, let's go to who some may consider the leader of the group, uh, even though they don't have a leader. But, you know, I think Vex makes a lot of decisions. Let's talk about Vexalia. Okay, can we, but while we're just on the topic, there is Vex, there is Vax, and then there is Vox. What is going on with that? I get the two are twins, so that makes sense. What, is their name directly related to the names group, the, the name of the group? Did I miss them naming the group something off of Vex and Vax? Why is it Vex, Vax, and Vox? It drove me nuts. Sorry. Well, Vox Vagen is like, you know, obviously a play on the word, on, you know, the phrase, uh, I'm going to forget it right now, but. Uh, Do sex mocking? Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it is confusing. And I love that the show even is like, that's, they have the whole song where they're like, hey, just so you know, this is Vex. This is Vex. The way I remember it, it's like, Vex is a female and that starts with, the, that has an E, you know, and then uh, yeah. Vax is a male with an A. So that's how I try to remember, but it is very hard sometimes. That's okay. I had to get that gripe out. Um, and so I don't even know. Are we talking about Vax or Vax? Who did we start? Let's talk about Vex. Vex first. Vex. Well, either way, I love both these two. I love Mm -hmm. the sibling dynamic where they are just making comments to each other the whole time. They're like, "Yo, let's dip out of here at the first sign of trouble." (laughs) Like that's so funny to me because I really think that would be me and Brendan if we're like with a group of like semi strangers. I'd be like, "Yo, first sign of trouble. We are leaving these idiots." So that was really funny to me that they did that basically throughout the whole thing. Yeah, and it would. I mean, there are times where like you know we're talking about Vex, but it's hard to not talk about both. Vex would just like leave, and like Vex would just be like, "All right." I go off and people they would got to a point where the parties you can't just like leave and do stuff like he would just because he's a rogue he would just go off and be like all right I go and spy on these people or like you know you see him like in the Briarwoods thing like he sneaks into their he room did, and he, he took off and they- <laughs> yeah but and the other big thing but yeah with Vex it's like when I say she's the leader she definitely is the planner you even see it with like Scanlan tries to say stuff but it's like yeah. it's always Vex's plan it's always she's worried about the group and she's kind of the mom. The, well, she's a mom in certain ways. Pike is a mom in different ways. But uh, Vex, she's Vex, the big sis. Yes, that's a good way of looking at it. And with her, like we can also talk about her and Pike. But like the magic in this, I really love how they did her. Um, she has an ability as a ranger, so she's a ranger. Uh, okay, I got her class right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna keep quizzing myself. I'm Rangers so mad about the artificer. Right. The Legolas of the group. Range, the Legolas. Of the yes. Group. Okay. Yeah. She has an ability where she can like sense a creature that I've chosen. So she chose dragons because of a backstory thing with, with her. Uh, and so I love how the show showed it as almost like a spidey sense. Like it was like, Oh, that's what I was going to call it. It seemed yeah. like a spidey, sen- a Peter tingle to me. Yeah. And they do a really good job. <laughs> of like- so mad. I just made that joke for those who can't see. He please, is so mad that I just said the word Peter tingle. Peter tingle <laughs> <laughs> He's livid. You but- can't see it on his face. He's so mad. I said that. Vex no, right. tingle. Vex- yeah. <laughs> a Vex tingle. tingle. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, mean, I did like they showed it that way though, because yeah. I, I without that like actual 
descriptor of it, I wouldn't have known what, she, what was going on. But I was like, oh, she can sense when a dragon's nearby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it would have been easy for them to be like, magic is magic. Like kind of like Lord of the Rings sometimes. It's like, mm-hmm. it's just magic. And like they specifically show a, each character has very unique styles, right? Scans is mm-hmm. more purple. You got Pikes is very radiant, uh, damage, radiant uh, energy. And, and then you got Vex um, with this kind of stuff. And it's just, I love that they you can see the spells. You can see the D&D spells, like silence. You know what silence is. You yeah. see it. You can see detect magic when Pike uses it. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It is because there's so many spells in D&D and they could fall into like almost a, a Lord of the Rings where it just kind of is. and yeah. They do a good job of distinguishing what's what magic. I, I hadn't thought of that, but it's a really good point. One thing I did appreciate about the series as a whole is I think in one of the first episodes, they they like go to a shop and have to restock on arrows and stuff. I've played one D&D campaign in my life. We didn't finish it. But like that stuff is, is I think what makes this show so great is just like ideally people who play D&D, this is what you're picturing, or, yes. or this is what you want to picture in your yeah. head as you're like scribbling little math and rolling dice on a sheet of paper. It's like, this is that fantasy realized to an extent. That being said, I I kind of feel like Vex maybe got a little short served on, on the like mm. character development or like plot wise. I felt like she took a little bit of a backseat. I'll be honest. I was confused. She had a bear. I, about halfway through, I was like, "Oh my god, wait, is that Vex's bear?" <laughs> I was like, "Is that is that Vex's I bear?" And then about it's, the bear. Yeah. See, so I think Evan has a good point here, where I know more about Vex than I do Vex from watching it, because mm-hmm. Vex had the ooh the love story. Yeah. But uh, we can get into that. I always think it's interesting when siblings are uh, not jealous, because now that makes it sound weird, but like. <laughs> Um, like weary of like, they're like, don't get involved. Protective. Protective. Yeah. Because it is like so realistic, but it comes off as like, you know, Vax is like, leave me, leave me the fuck alone. I'll do what I want. (laughs) Yeah. And I think there is a little bit of jealousy. Like it's always been the two of them. And now it's like Mm. Vax has someone else. It can be non weird jealousy. Yeah. Non weird jealousy. Cause it's like, it's, it's more the idea that you always have your buddy and now you don't have your buddy Mm -hmm. as much. And like that's like, Oh, Vax would dip with her instead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he, no. Hey, you're making a joke, but that's a good point. Yeah. 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 He'd but run Vex- off into the sunset with her instead of me now. Oh, yeah. my God. No, wait. Actually, that's a good point. Here's, here's a question. I very easily could have missed this because we all know I'm terrible at catching details. But stop did telling Vex- people you fall asleep <laughs> while watching these shows. Please. <laughs> Go he's, on. A, he's a man of the people. He tells them he's honest. <laughs> I'm honest. <laughs> I tell it like I tell it like it is. Stop. Vox Machina is a very good show. Um, <laughs> uh, did Vex and Percy have a little thing, or did I misread or make that? I don't know. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, uh, they had like tensions, I don't chemistry. Know. Like okay. She, but there was nothing explicit. No, I don't think there was yeah. like a a smooch, a blush, uh, sure, unrequited. But like, I get what you're saying. Where I was like, are these two going to end up together? Because I think they share what it is. Is I think they both share the responsibility of trying to r- control the group a little, wrangle the group, yeah. wrangle the group. Um, and she throughout the series is like Percy, you're like losing it, and I kind of need you. We're, we're like one and two here, and mm. you're going off on this whole thing. And so yeah. I, I did get a sense of like, ooh, are these two are secret lovers? But <laughs> no, that never came up. Peter, yes. 
<laughs> I'm I, sorry. This is the quiet episode. I'm sorry. I think the thing with Bex, and I, th- I hear you about the character development and everything, because it's like, I think a lot of her character development is coming from, she doesn't have her own thing. It's always like her and Percy, her and Bex, mm-hmm. her and it's always somewhat like her and Keyleth and all that, like their, their relationship. And so it's like, yeah, I mean, I think with the Percy stuff, uh, they definitely are bonded in the sense that I feel like they both see things very similarly. And mm-hmm. it's just, I think they also have some tragedy that is very similar in that sense. And I think there's like, sense. I think they, that she can understand him better than almost anyone else in the group. Gotcha. Um, I agree. I, I like that. appreciate her character. more. Sure. Yeah, yeah. She's definitely a support system for a and lot of them. But yeah, this is what's great about a D and D group is in a TV show. It literally would just be the twins. Like that would be their only relationship, but that's yeah. not realistic to how D and D is, is they, they all have relationships with each other, some stronger than others. Mm-hmm. So I, I really appreciate that. Look at it. And so what I've come to realize is like with D and D, there's so much opportunity for such dynamic storytelling and it, mm-hmm. it happens just so naturally. And I think that's, what's really cool is like, this was unfolded kind of naturally as they were playing and they were like, it was like gold mining. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They did like a long session to get like all the really good stuff. So mm-hmm. I appreciate yeah. that about that. Um, I think just a natural, I, I liked my popcorn style, but a natural transition from Vex is to talk about her, her brother Vex. Yeah, I did want to mention Trinket oh. of like, Trinket's great. They, it's hard. You oh, know, the bear. It's hard with the <laughs> yeah, bear. I was going to say, who's Yeah, Trinket the bear. <laughs> I love the guards. I do do rangers, the- what, what, is, what is this relationship they have? Explain it to me like I know nothing about D&D. Yeah, so like rangers get uh, a companion at a certain point. If you're a certain type of there's subclasses, there's all this stuff, but uh, they get like a little buddy. And this is basically, I think the story, she's told it before, uh, and it was like, I think the mama bear got killed and basically Trinket was there. And so she picked up the Trinket and they became buds for life, you know? Yeah, Trinket is definitely a fan favorite. They, it's hard in the show. And like one of the things, honestly, it's hard in the campaign is like, what do you do with Trinket? Like, if there's stairs, what do you do? Like, there's multiple times where it's like, how do we get Trinket places? So they'll, like, leave Trinket somewhere and then be like, we have to go back and get Trinket. So eventually she does get an <laughs> item. She gets, like, a Pokeball almost. It's like a little Pokeball uh-huh. necklace that she keeps Trinket in. And then it's like, uh, but yeah, yeah that's trinket why. for Trinket. I yeah. <laughs> I went from knowing nothing about this bear to it being my new favorite character. <laughs> what the fuck? There's po- there's Funko Pops of Trinket. Trinket's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, so we are going to transition to Vax, yes, twin brother, who's also a rogue half elf. I love rogues. Vax did two things, and it may have been in episode three, episode four. It was it was earlyish where I was just like mind blown seeing these D and D spells come to life. One, he took off his belt and it turned into a snake, and I gasped. I gasped like I'd never <laughs> seen magic in my life. I'm going to be honest. I was like, that was so cool and smooth and awesome. And yeah. then the other one is he threw his dagger and then it shined yellow, disappeared, and was back in his goddamn what is, hand. What is that spell? I love that. I think yeah. it's blink. Blink. Okay. No. Yeah. I could so, be wrong. no, no, no. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like in the dagger. So the dagger is a blink dagger. So, yeah, the idea is it's almost like Thor's hammer. You throw it and it can mm. come back to you. You throw that it and come back. That was so cool because yeah. it caught me off guard and I was just like, yes. I was like, that was awesome. <laughs> and the snake's name is Simon. And the snake belt's great. It like definitely like I love I love that they had that in there. Like the little eye patch. Oh, it was so yeah. good. He was great. And he really, to me, embodied what uh, I like to see in a rogue. 
He's he's an angst. Listen, Liam. He's angsty. Liam is a. I've never seen Liam do a character that's not angsty and a little sad boy. Like that, that's definitely his type. And, it's uh, funny because I'm listening right now. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> but Vax is great, and like Vax is like I would say the other leader, if not like the main leader. Like Vax, people go to Vax when they need like an inspirational speech. People go to Vax when it's like dire needs. Vax is the person you can count on. Mm. Um, and. I will say with the show, I didn't love how much they focused on the relationship side of. It. I get the purpose of it, and I get why because it's like mm-hmm. it's in the such show, a TV hook. People love a romance, yeah. even though people even love to ship things. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Here's my question for you then: Is it okay. better to not in your show not have any of the characters be like romantically involved and just let the audience like go crazy with with what they think, or is it better to be like, no, 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 audience? These two are going to be together. I would say leave it open to the the audience's imagination. Speculation. That's what yeah. I imagine. You yeah. got to let them let them wonder. Yeah, and this is one where it's like the show. The po- there was it was way more in the podcast, right? Like it's like it was like forty episodes. They built this like small flirtingness, and it was mostly from Vax's side. And like they didn't talk about this. No one knew mm-hmm. that Liam was like Vax is starting to fall for Keyleth. He got so into the character. He's like, I know my character. My character is falling for Keyleth. And he would do things like, I stand in front of Keyleth. He would like, he would do a lot of small cues to like hint to the relationship. And then that like big scene where he's like, you know, I love you is like from the campaign. It's a whole, it's a little different. They do it at a different point, but like, he's like, yeah, I love you. And then he kisses her in the campaign. I think they got rid of it because it was a little too like, you didn't like it was like very like uh, I'm just gonna kiss you yeah and it was like a little like uh, consent is sexy yes yes exactly (laughs) and I think like Marisha who plays Keyleth was definitely caught off guard and they talked about it more like it be be, you know it is what it is is, I don't want to ruin where it goes but uh, uh, this is is D&D baby it's real life so Tommy can I ask when you say 40 episodes that's that's 44 hours okay so each episode is about an hour. Someone had said, "No, no, each episode, each like episode is about four. Oh, so I, my math's totally wrong. Yeah. It's way more than that. Get out of here. A four-hour podcast. I don't know where I got forty-four from. Do not listen to me. <laughs> and and when I say 40 they're, they're episodes, four hours, up, yeah, and it's forty episodes up to this point. I think the the campaign one was probably a hundred and eighty. It was like a ridiculous amount of hundred and. 20 maybe episodes i've never listened to a it. full campaign evan I, I joined towards the end of season two not knowing it was almost the end of season two but i just yeah. picked up and it's not impossible to just jump in and join but it's much more like it, it's way more earned when you mm-hmm. get there because like in season three i'm only 12 13 14 episodes in it's fun if you're yeah. into it and you have the time. It's definitely a lot of fun. Yeah, because they build these, they build yes, these relationships. It's a slow and, burn. Yeah. yeah, it's like when people ask me if I'm going to read the book that a movie is based off. Uh huh. No, I'll just catch this, the 90 minute version. Yeah, <laughs> and you know what Tommy brought up, and not saying because the podcast is really good, but there are like recaps on YouTube that like okay. break it up and it, it shows them, but. It, it is really good. And yeah, that, that's actually a great comparison, though, is the podcast is the book this is based on. Yeah. I, I think that's actually a really apt comparison. And mm-hmm. I hope moving forward, just in this age of new media, we see more things like this. Like, I, yeah. I'm really into this. Yeah. Like a two dudes Amazon. <laughs> I am not. I'm, yeah, give a, <laughs> I swear I'm not pitching that. You keep <laughs> thinking I am. Okay. Um, let's see. Any more thoughts on Vax and how just awesome he is? What, what do we, we really I, jumped off so, the rails there. So Vax is a character who, if I had to, you know, pick from the lineup, just looking at the legend of Vox Machina 
cover image, not knowing anything about the podcast or the show. I was like, that's clearly the main character. <laughs> The yeah. cool guy with the yeah, no, no, yeah, that's a good point. Knives. Like that's the that's the main character. Yeah. So um yeah. you're like his sister's here, his love yeah, interest is here. You're like he's yeah, the main character. He's the man. Um yeah. so I I don't he definitely had a little more, you know, to do plot wise and relationship wise in the season, but I was rooting for him as opposed to I was like, uh, I don't care about Percy's parents. That oh no, no. <laughs> yeah, Bex is great and like all the stuff at the end where he's getting, you know, uh mind controlled and fighting his yes. sister. That was she was gonna kill him. Like that's the thing. Mm-hmm. She was gonna kill him. And and that's intense. I also love like I think Bex had a good represent good representation of this. The show in general is very um uh, progressive and very flu- like he is a fluid character you see him flirting mm-hmm. with gilmore and you see him flirting with keyleth like that is it is mm-hmm. i i love that the show does stuff like that and it, like it's it's you know the a lot in the campaign we're watching there's a lot of uh they them there's a lot of like uh fluidity there too and it's it's just a you know i i kudos to the show for like not being taboo about that stuff yeah not but it's also that's realistic in a fantasy world more so than yeah. our own goddamn stupid world yeah. like there are creatures that don't have gender or or you know what I mean? so yeah yeah um i agree though I, I like that look at him too and it wasn't like a focus or a plot point it just was and I, just, I enjoyed yeah, that life. yeah yeah i always enjoy that in a character when it's not like a, a, a story of them having to be like oh yeah well i like uh, guys and girls and everyone like mm-hmm. no it just was um, I think we're just ditching the the popcorn concept <sighs> by now. It felt we, great we, at the beginning. Sorry, good, yeah. You know, let's go to right. Kayla, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know where we're going from here. <laughs> so, Tommy, uh, explain to me. Keyleth is the Kayleth. Keyleth. Keyleth. I said yeah. it wrong. Nature mage. What is this class? Is it? cleric i don't know anything i'm just guessing yeah, well i like you that, that that was my guess too tommy official answer what is keyleth she's a druid oh what a the druid. yeah she's nature okay wait so i thought pike and her so pike is a, pike uh, is a, a cleric, cleric. Yes. i thought they were both clerics because they gotcha. were both kind of healing okay no they can do here like that's the thing a lot of these classes have healing right like druid druids mm-hmm. can heal they're very naturey um she has like wild shape you see like she can turn into animals and stuff um she is very so the the person that plays uh marisha she was super big in, and still is super big into Avatar. So Keyleth is definitely you, a lot of her backstory. You'll find out more later is like very Avatar. She has to finish these trials of nature. You know, the fire trial, the water trial, the air trial. That's like a big uh, thing of Hell her character. Yeah, yeah and Love her that. confidence is a big thing. And and another thing we like with her character is like i love that they showed her nervousness and her like unconfidence and by the end you see that she becomes the light as they say like she's another character where like she has a cool arc some people didn't love it in the podcast i would you know there's mean people out on the internet and they were mean to risha and they were mean to Keyleth. what people are mean on the internet yeah (laughs) surprising oh Oh, wow okay gotta watch out for that (laughs) yeah you better but yeah, it's like I like that they didn't like shy away from it because they obviously got that backlash with the podcast. But they're like, no, even with this anime show, that's, that's her character. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. I really like Keyleth. And maybe it was as it went on, I appreciated her more and more because I liked that she was nervous. She was timid. She didn't think she could do it. And once Pike had to go on uh, Pike's solo journey, she was like. I got to step up. I got to do this for the team. And I like that she did. I, I love a good story of, of someone finding their confidence, finding yeah. their light, if you will. And this, mm-hmm. like all of her stuff with the sun tree, um, really moving, like and, and her trying to bring it back. But then, yeah. Well, so I want to talk about the sun tree because 
I think this moment was really lost on me until I went and watched a YouTube side by side of what happened in in the podcast versus this. It's a really good moment, and I'm upset that it didn't land the way it was supposed to for me when it was because I really like the moment. That's kind of why I want to talk about it. So when I was watching it live and I just, you know, falling from Evan syndrome, falling in and out of attention, when that moment happened, I thought it was like actually them. And I thought we were doing some either time travel or like body snatchers. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, this is crazy. What kind of magic has cloned them and killed them already? Or like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or I was like, have they been here already? And so I really got a misdirect on that one. So it's a really cool moment. And if anyone misunderstood it like me, what it is is they are bodies that look like them and were dressed up like them as like a warning of, Hey, if you come around here, we're going to kill you. And it's much more menacing and badass. And I think by the look on Evan's face right now, he was a little lost like me. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. It's a great moment. And I really like, I want to watch it again because I just watched this YouTube comparison this morning. But, um, that was maybe one of the things that I wish was a little more impactful. Yeah. It's a big, I mean, it is the moment in the campaign where they're like, mm-hmm. Oh, Matt's not messing around. Like Matt will do intense things and we, we need to be, cause they weren't. So like in the podcast, they weren't really even paying attention. They were like, you yes, know, sometimes Matt goes great. and they're like doing things and they're, and it's what's they're funny taking is, notes or yeah. they're, yeah. And he starts describing the bodies they see and go on Tommy, uh-huh. you were describing it. It's really good. Yeah. And it's, it is like just in the show, it's Keyleth, it's Marisha that figures it out. And she's like, it's us. It's such a good moment because it's like, it finally hits them. And they're like, wait, that's, that's us up there. Like it's not, but it's, they were, and like, mm-hmm. I did like that the show Again, because you have a show, you can jump to moments. And I like that you can jump away from Vox Machina sometimes. And I love when the Briarwoods invite the townspeople, uh, the townspeople that end up being hanging. They're like, hey, you've won a prize. You, you get to come to dinner. And the little girl's like, mm-hmm. the little girl was so sad. And it's like, you're uh, representing Pike. It was like, you know, like, are we, we won a prize. It's like, yeah. And she was so happy. And then we'd see her later. It's and such a good setup. Just, you're getting hanged. Yeah. <laughs> it worked for me but i also knew it was coming because like you know i i'd have like oh man we got to get the sun train moment like if we don't do this yeah. in the show like it, it was a great moment i just misunderstood it when it happened yeah. and and upon re-examining it it's still like oh that's it's probably even more badass than what i was thinking stupid time mm-hmm. travel what who am i <laughs> i do appreciate at the end of the season where she learns that she shows them that like portal spell thing so mm. they can transport into it. I was like, that'll be convenient for season two so they don't have to <laughs> travel everywhere. Um, it's what fast is that travel spell for she does that she creates like like a little fireball sun in her hands? Yeah, that's sunlight. Uh, it's the okay. sunlight spell, but yeah. It's uh, also one of her big moments, right? Yeah. Because like that's the thing, Pike so, you know, <laughs> I know we're going to go next, but Pike is, uh, Pike was the sunlight person, right? Like Pike has that radiant energy. And when she loses all her powers, it's like Keyleth has to step up. This is a complaint of mine is the second <laughs> half of this season. If Pike is just with them, it's like very easy for them to get out of all of this. Cause, uh, cause <laughs> she deals with the undead. That's like her thing. And yeah. so, so much of this is, I was like, only freaking Pike was here. <laughs> yeah. Is then, that from the the campaign though? It's like, well, we can't have her here. Well, it's problem solved. So the 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 reason was Ashley Johnson at the time was filming Blind Spot in New York, 
um, which was a TV show. So I didn't realize that. So she literally just wasn't there. She literally wasn't there. She would in like, so her coming in as like the astral version, that's what they called it whenever she would come in on Skype. Sometimes she could come in. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, she's, she's at this temple. It's her astral. <laughs> Wait, yeah. that's really so like that. funny. Yeah. I love that. They're such nerds. That's yeah. God, at the core of all of this, they are just such nerds like us. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate things like that so much. So they were like, <laughs> Matt was probably like, hey, we're about to have a big fight. You think you could Skype in? <laughs> yeah. So like that, and like, you're right. Like she would have destroyed everything because radiant energy is double it's 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 like critical damage basically because it's against undead but it was Um, cool that she wasn't there because they were you know they had to solve more problems and and uh keyleth had to have these big moments and i really liked the i don't know what they were called but they were like dementors almost but more zombie like um and it literally looked like they were they were about to die and then keyleth last Mm. minute was like ah I got us all. I was like, yes. That was one of those cheer moments. I was like, yes. Yeah. I loved uh, Pike's. What is that moment? She has Hey, let's move really- on to Pike, I guess. <laughs> I mean, any, any other thoughts? On no, Keyleth? no, no. I think I'm I, good with Keyleth. There's the I, romance with Vax. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. She like was like, this is not the time. And I like that. It ends with like, yeah, that's all. You're so right. That was great. When she was like, this is not the time that was, I really liked that actually. <laughs> Yeah, and then we also from that we got what they fit so many of their like Easter eggs. I, I can't mention enough how many Easter eggs there are in these shows, and like even just lines, things like like when uh, Vax was like, "I'm just gonna walk away." That's because like Liam would do that all the time. He's just like, "And I leave the conversation," and like they mid conversation be like, "And I walk away," and like <laughs> and like there's another moment with like Gilmore shop where he's like dagger, 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 and it's like. That's how he would do his attacks because he'd have like three attacks and he'd be like, dagger, dagger, dagger. He'd just like throw the dagger three times. So it's like there was a lot of like things like that that I love that they were able to fit into the show. But yeah, the Keyless stuff was great. Um, I, I think it's it'll be interesting where they take her character going for it further. And like I said, I, I like that like she stood, you know, she was like, this is not the time. We're in battle and I don't know how I feel about all this. Yeah, yeah. it was realistic. It was good. I, I, I love yeah in moments of fantasy when like the human emotion is like real still, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we've talked a little bit about Pike. We're moving on to her. Non popcorn style. Sorry. Non-popcorn style. <laughs> Just butter. Non popcorn. Um, sliding through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go on. <laughs> I don't think all the dots connected or I, maybe I just need some of the context explained lore wise of her big moment before she reconnects with whatever the, the spirit is and it it's like God, it reveals Evan. herself it reveals itself as like a as herself what is happening there okay before Tommy gives us the reader's digest I don't fully know what's going on there, but I love this sort of thing. And I'll be honest, yes. I never understood the whole um, – I, I may mess it up again. Is it a cleric? She's a cleric? Yeah, she's a cleric. Yeah. I never understood the appeal of a cleric until watching this. So I was like, oh, you could have some really good – almost like Matt Murdock dealing with religions and and like your gods. and But you could actually personify them in the D&D world and mm-hmm. have literal conversations with them. I'll be honest. These, these scenes with Pike were the first time I was like, oh, I fully understand why people would want to play a cleric now. Yeah. Yeah, so I play a cleric. I know, and I'll be honest, I didn't get it. I'm sorry to tell you this live, but I didn't understand it. doesn't make my Peter tingle at all. (laughs) I'm sorry I said it. Don't keep punishing me. 
<laughs> yeah, it's I think what I liked about it, and I'm not like not to get too into my own stuff, like I'm not personally that religious, but it's like what I like about it is in this world, they're deities and they they actually existed. Like they yeah. were mm-hmm. they were beings that do exist and they're they're real. And so um I think it's really interesting. Like my my deity is Gond, love a good Gond. Uh but what it's cool about this is like they call her deity Everlight, but in like the it's it's Saren Ray is the actual goddess, but because this is D&D and because there's obviously like copyright stuff and things, mm. um, they couldn't use some of the actual official names of things. Oh, so I've never thought about that. Is that because they're coming out with the Dungeons and Dragons movie and they're probably I, like, don't use our intellectual property? I think there's a mixture of that. I also think it's a little bit of like, so the, the D&D um, Wizard of the Coast, it, they actually have a really good relationship with like Critical Role and like they've made their books. They've done like books based say, on their They've campaign. had to have brought so much popularity yeah. to the yeah. sport, if you will. Well, because Matt made this is an entire world that Can we Matt call made. it a sport instead of a game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a sport. This is an entire world that that Matt made. So it's like a lot of the stuff people are like, I want to play in this world now. Yeah, and so like mm-hmm. that's where it comes from. That's but, cool. That's so yeah. cool. But so like that, there's another like oh, the whispered one is also a nickname. The real name is Becknut. Like there's stuff like mm, that. So I got gotcha. you. Um, it's but, a little respectful because it's on Amazon, you know, and they don't like, I get it. I get it. There's legal things to these. I don't I, I like it, but I think it's the Amazon it. side of things. I, I think, think it's the Amazon. That's what I was thinking. I was like, they probably, D and D's like, okay. Um, but Pike, so Evan, I just, I, I just took it kind of more as like a metaphor. It was more like, you know, like your religion is a reflection of you. If that makes any sort of sense, not to be like yeah, really cheesy of it, sure. but that was kind of, it was like, what do you want out of this relationship with the mm-hmm. Everlight? Yeah. So, I mean, Pike, obviously, in the campaign, when she went to Blindspot, we didn't see any of this. So it's cool. This is all, like, new stuff, but it is based on, cool. like, yeah. a time she where... She was just not there. <laughs> yeah. Her necklace cracking and stuff is a real thing to happen where she actually... Changed, you know, I talked about alignments earlier and why I'm kind of bitter that Percy's alignment never changes. Like, they changed <laughs> Pike's alignment because there was basically... Mm. Pike started to do things that were less holy. She would... um <laughs> Scanlan at one time defecates on a bed and then Pike also does it and then also just straight up <laughs> wait what yeah, what's the just, reason why I think it's Ashley Johnson coming through less than it's Pike but more than Ashley Stop, Johnson wait, no, why is Scanlan pooping on the bed first and then why is Pike <laughs> saying I gotta do the same well, what is the context there <laughs> I gotta remember exactly. There is well, there is well, no. Scanlan does have a spell called scrying, which he creates these magical poops and leaves them in spots, and he's able to like go back and see through them. (laughs) (laughs) It's his flavor. Like scrying can be anything, but he's like, yeah, I I take a potion and then I poop something out. Oh my god! Okay, I I may be getting wrong the Pike part of it, but I thought I heard that. But that's fine. (laughs) The main part of Pike is like she also straight up they were interrogating someone and she just murdered them. She was like so that like so so her like testing her religion and stuff is like a real thing. And so like they decided to expand on it here, and like you see her struggling of like, can I be in this group and still be still be believing my deity and stuff? To me though, this was a classic High School Musical. It was basketball or the play. Do you want to Everlight or do you want to party with your friends? And I'll be honest, did did we see which one she picked? <laughs> I don't think we saw which one she ended up picking. No, I think by being with the group, she chose the group. It's like she but can it was have only both. an astral form. Like That's I figured, it, if she was choosing the group, she was going to show up in person. Uh-huh. But going to get there in time. To me, I do think she Troy Bolton though, and she was like, "I can do both." 
And I think that was kind of what that was supposed to symbolize, but we never saw the decision. And I think that's kind of what the Everlight was saying to her too, right? It's like you you're the one that's causing your powers oh, not to work because oh, you, you feel this moral doubting. conflict. Yeah, you yeah. feel this doubt. Yeah. Oh, and the Everlight was like, hey, yo, homie, just do both. Just yeah. just love me still. What are you doing? That, like that commercial <laughs> with the girl was like, you can have hard shells and soft shells. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can have okay, no low dose. <laughs> yeah. Looking back at it, though, that is like a super important commentary on religion and faith, because mm. there can, as we've all seen in the world, be terrible, terrible uber religious people mm. and likewise of atheists or whatever. But it's yeah, like, all sides. Yeah. Faith does not equal, equate to good. It's just like what you do with that and how you represent it in your life. Yeah. So I really appreciate that insight as someone who was grew up religious and all that. So, yeah. And you I see, Pike, like, she's great. And, like, her, you know, I think I love the beginning of, like, spell slots, what's big with her. Like, so spell mm-hmm. slots is big in D&D where you have a limited amount of spells. And, like, that whole, mm-hmm. like, we talk about the first two episodes with, like, the dragon stuff. It's, like, there's that moment where the kid, you know, is dying. Who, fun fact, the kids were voiced by Liam and uh, Sam's kids in real life. You know? Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. But, uh she was like, I can't do anymore. I already healed Grog. Like I'm, I'm tapped. And that's like their uh-huh. representation as like her spell slots were out, which I just love. I think that that's important that. for power scaling. So, she so can't just be healing everyone. You're telling me there's a limited number of slots for spells and Scanlan chose to fill one of those with magic duties. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, scrying is so important. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like my kind of guy it's basically like <laughs> you're putting hidden cameras in people's I'm houses dead okay that's great okay not not to set up what character we're gonna go to next but i do <laughs> love her relationship with grog because they for all intents and purposes are like bitter opposites but they're just like homies till the end and i, I love relationships like that yeah. love when she rides on his back and I don't, it's just something about like the whole opposites attract you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they literally, what sort of shared life experience do they have? But they're just the best of friends. Yeah, they're best buddies. And yeah, it all comes from like, this was like a pre-stream stuff. It was basically like Ashley was coming in late. And so they're like, we'll just make you Grog's best friend because Grog's not going to be here. And you'll go searching for Grog in the episode. And the backstory is like her dad or her one of her relatives was being like attacked by like Grog's group. Grog's, um because uh, Grog oh. is a, a Goliath. And so uh, they were being attacked by Grog's group and they were like, kill him. And Grog was like, no. And so Grog stood up and they just massacred Grog and just basically like he was almost dead. And then Pike came and healed him and they thanked him. And so that's how they became best buddies. Oh, wait, that's so cool. I love that. Oh, see, and this is what's great about all this is there is that bigger lore that if you are interested, if you're someone you were just like, oh, my God, I love this show. There is something now you can go back to. And like get all of this. So I, I do really enjoy that about this. It's, you know, it was like Star Wars when they were like, oh, did you know there's like 30 some books? And we we're like, what? <laughs> no, I had no idea. Yeah. Not canon anymore, unfortunately. Oh, or get out of here with know. that. I forget I, what it is. <laughs> I know. They're probably not after Disney bought it, but okay. Pike is great. And like Evan said, it, it's a great look on religion. It's nice for the critical role fans because this was just time Ashley was away and uh, they didn't get to see mm-hmm. that part of the story. So uh, I, Pike is a great one. I'm just now seeing here. Her last name is Trickfoot. That's pretty cool, too. I like that. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like uh, a, a skateboarding trick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does. Okay. Um, any last thoughts on Pike before we move on to the obvious next one? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm gonna bring it up every time now. Yeah. Um, I think like you know, kudos to her for putting up with Scanlan and his. Uh, his <laughs> hey, sounds like she is a partner in crime now. Yeah. Pike's great. All right, our good buddy, big old Grog. Grog's last name is Strongjaw. I'm I'm liking all their last names actually. Yeah. I came in really wanting to enjoy Grog because in the one D and D campaign I played, I was a I think like half orc, half barbarian, carried a giant dual hand battle axe. Uh, he was trying to do the most damage possible. Yes, rush yeah. into scenarios, take all the hits, whatever the blood rage fucking spell was that. I love, I love that. And Grog says it. He goes, I'm going to rage. And he yeah. does. I love he it. Does. Well, that's, yeah, he would always, he, it's like an ask. He would say, I would like to rage. He would, yeah. and like, Travis would always word it that way. Now, what yeah. they do, I love it in when they're playing now, someone will be like, I'd like to rage. And they're like, rage, rage, rage. Like, they all like, yeah, they're like, yeah. Like, it's so great. I love it. They get excited. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he has some cool moments, but ultimately, I felt a little disappointed. He didn't, get as much screen time as i would have liked there's so many characters you know we're going through them all and like when you gotta focus on percy you're trying to do the backs key stuff i think grog is someone that went into the the shadows i loved how they focused on his emotional side with pike like you see him mm-hmm. crying on the wagon that kind of stuff but mm-hmm. i agree with you i think he worked better in the podcast hopefully we'll see more of him but like he was one where it's like he's still my favorite because i love like he's just a big old dumb dumb because he has <laughs> he has like an like i think it's a four intelligence like he is not yeah. smart like his stats are very <laughs> bad <laughs> yeah because you put them all into whatever the physical attributes are for the for that yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think yeah, they said like smart so i'm gonna just rage yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. run in there there's like love- animals that are i think trinket's smarter than him like like, <laughs> <it's> like <laughs> so just a, a weird uh side story when brendan first joined our D campaign he played a grog like character and mm-hmm. the thing says you can rage three times a day. And Brendan read it as he has to rage three times a day. And so he was raging in like the most inopportune moments. We were like, dude, stop. He's like, there's a butterfly. I got to rage. Yeah, no, it literally, we're like, okay, we walk into a new town. He's like, all right, I'm going to rage. We're like, what? Why? It was great. Fun times. But this is what yeah, I'm saying is there's so yeah. much fun to be had in D&D, even just like it's not something you need if if you have a really good dm like tommy is it's not something you need to like scour through hours of books and books and learn what you need to do you can you know have a character know about them and and still have a really good time with yeah. minimal knowledge about the whole of dnd and that was travis like travis is you know Ooh. if you see a picture of him he is a bro like he is a a bro that like got into this loves it but it was definitely like nervous about doing him. So like, that's why he kind of went with Goliath Barbarian is like, Hey, I don't have to worry about spells as much. I can kind of just do mm-hmm. my thing. And like playing a dumber character, he was nervous about like the improvising side. Like he was nervous about like doing it wrong. So it was like, it was easy that's for him. So to be funny. Able- he was nervous about it. Cause now I, I think he's one of the, he's one of my favorites. And he's played some. Yeah. I mean, you love, you, you love, I love Travis. Character. Yeah. <laughs> I love Travis. <laughs> that's so funny to hear that he was nervous about it. Yeah. Um, th- there's a, uh... A moment in the back half of this of the season where I think it's with Keyless like sun spell thing or whatever, but he has he's like has to get in close to stop it or whatever, and his skin's flying off and shit. He's mm. like, I can do it. And I was like, this is awesome, but also 
X-Men The Last Stand. He also jumped into a vat of acid yes. while being I healed. I was like, wow, yeah. this dude will do whatever. He's like, I'll do it. He literally jumped in and I was I was jaw on the floor. I was like, yeah. whoa. That's why, yeah. you, that's why you play those characters. It's yeah. like, whatever. Those moments. Consequences be damned. <laughs> I'm going in. I'm gonna probably gonna die. <laughs> and that's the, that is Grog. He will go ahead first. I love him and him and Vax. They almost feel like a Legolas and uh uh the door the mm-hmm. dwarf from Lord of the Rings where they're like, you know, that counts as one when they're doing yeah. the giants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's great. Um Grog is one of my complaints about the show or the character at some point is that sometimes I feel like Grog specifically, his his voice almost slips into like an English accent out of nowhere in the Silver Tongue episode when his normal voice is like, "Hey, I'm Grog," blah, blah, blah. and then he's like, "Hey, I'm Grog." When he gets possessed by Silver Tongue, it's like there was some time. Percival, sometimes I noticed like, you know, I don't come from the the podcast at all, so this is just me observing. It's like it kind of sounds like a different character at at some points. Well, him and Grog. The silver tongue was specifically like the professor. It was a mix of it was both them their talking through. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Because he was possessed. I'll yeah. 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 Slide. All right. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> silver tongue saying, was yeah. a really cool spell. That's love- one thing they do throughout the whole thing is the the way they really bring the spells to life on the screen. Uh-huh. Really, like I, I'm getting ready to play a campaign with my cousin Brett, and it like had me totally reimagine my character. I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god, this has given me so much better ideas for what I I actually want to do." It, it was a really good just visual representation of you know a, a game that's played mostly in people's minds. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I never need to see Anders licking his <laughs> teeth again. Like, man. Yeah, no, I didn't enjoy that <laughs> with the silver tongue. Oh, it was the wars, but that, I love that whole battle. That that's a really amazing uh, scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any last thoughts on Grog? I don't think we have a natural progression here, so I'm excited to see who picks. <laughs> well, we better popcorn. <laughs> yeah. We jump off the tallest character to yeah. the shorts. <laughs> yeah, no, let's do that. It would be your turn to pick, anyways, Evan. So let's go with Scanlan. Yeah. Scanlan. Yeah, the um, man. I, I the most emotions. divisive man. <laughs> yeah, you either love him or hate him. Well, here's the thing. And maybe I'm uh throwing a lot of my biases just at this character, but when I fired up episode one, Scanlan, like they cut to him, he's you know, naked dick out with <laughs> uh, whatever elf. And I was like, is this what this show is? like I am tired of shows trying to do like rick and morty i'm tired of rick and morty trying to do rick and morty like just oh, no, this is uh, this is like, a good take yeah but i agree with this everyone trying to do adult animated series i was like uh, i don't know if i'm here for it it's almost a disservice those first two episodes because the exploration of D and this fantasy world is like that's amazing that's what i i know I think that's what draws people to it. I think I think when you're doing adult animation and you don't have the rating, it, it's tempting to do that for the hook because yeah. Rick and Morty did define a new generation of adult animation and bring mm-hmm. a lot of fans to it. So I get the appeal. I get the want. And I do think from not knowing the podcast as well, I think part of that is Scanlan's character. Okay. And so I think it's tr- I think the fact that it's true to form is what lets me let it slide. I could be wrong. I, I'm hoping I'm right yeah. here. Tommy, is this what yeah. Scanlon's like in the podcast? <laughs> yeah, and I said earlier, I think it, it works better in the podcast because it's like four hours and you may get one yeah. or two Scanlon jokes. Like, yeah. it, it's a lot. Sam, Sam is a really amazing player. I love this Sam. Is, 
Scanlan's my favorite character of the group. And so I didn't know if Evan was going to want to fight me after I said this, but <laughs> I love Scanlan. Maybe it's because I love bards, but. Weren't you a bard in, in one of your campaigns? Yeah, yeah. That's okay. what I play currently. Bard. Yeah, yeah. I love you the bard. You got to disclose the biases here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I, yeah, the one I'm playing right now, I am a bard. And so while I'm not as like horny and raunchy as Scanlan, we share a lot of the same like uh, gravitas and verbose. And like, I think he views himself as the leader of the group and i love that because he's clearly not yeah. well and I, scanlan has a really cool arc and like all sam's characters he like presents them one way and there's more there's always more to his stuff and i think scanlan is one of those characters where there's 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 stuff there you know and they they show like little bits of like you know his plans constantly being put down him being the damsel um like all the mm-hmm. time like it's like he's the one that mm-hmm. gets captured and uh you know Vex putting down his ideas and we have the scambo episode where he you know he, he finally gets to to do something and he does it really well that's straight from the campaign and it's, it's scary because he does go off on his own and obviously in the campaign they're not writing it it's they're rolling dice so it could have went really wrong and he just destroyed an entire house on his own it's wild like it's it's mm-hmm. basically what happened where he like turns into a triceratops he like does all that stuff so this is another one. Scanlan's hand is actually Big B's hand, but again, that's a D and D thing, so it's an actual like legit spell. So it's okay. like they oh, just I thought it was a mage hand, and I was going to ask you. I was like, can a mage hand do all no. the stuff that his is doing? Yeah, it's a specific thing called Big B. Oh. So so he's like falling off, and he's like, come on, Big B, catch me. And I think that's the other thing that like Sam and Travis both, their own physicality is so much a part of the podcast mm-hmm. that you miss that when it's like this animated version that like it almost because it's like. When Scanlan's saying all this creepy stuff, it's weird when you're seeing this creepy, uh, <laughs> like, gnome saying it. Uh, Scanlan's great, and, like, uh, he's he's got his moments. There's stuff coming up. I'm excited for you guys to see them. I hope they go there, because he's got some cool things. Yeah, I'm, I I'm excited. I didn't even know that. I did really like when he's, I forget who the general is, but he's, like, fighting on the rooftop with the big fucking <laughs> yeah. hand, fencing yeah. with the middle finger. Yeah, it's great. And his I, uh, songs, his songs are great. And like in the campaign, he always, so anytime he inspired, anytime he did anything, he would do parodies of actual songs. And like, <laughs> it's so, right. it's so good. So I really loved his whole misadventure. Like you said, Tommy, where he went off on his own and he ended up being very successful and it just, you know, it, he fell very ass backwards into that. And I love just a typical bard probably would fall ass backwards into great success. But then for years to come, be like, oh, I took them down. You should have seen me. I was dodging and weaving. And it was it like, so that's just the bard is they're a storyteller. And so they're yeah. going to tell that story for years. And it's going to be much different than the actual recounting of it. Any other thoughts on Scanlan? Love his favorite moments of the hand. Uh, The uh, the hand was great. My favorite moment was definitely when they are in like the first like real intense fight and he's inside like dancing and singing. He's got cake all over him. He's humping it on the audience. I was like, that's so funny. He comes out and he's like, they love me in there and they're getting arrested. And he's like, oh, (laughs) I think if you want to know Scanlan, like a good scene that I feel like represents him is when again we, we always talk about like, the bad episodes but it's like the first two of like where he the kid just died right and they're mm-hmm. like we're and he starts tuning his loot and everyone's like come on scanlon like you don't have like before that all we saw was him being the funny guy and that's the moment where he's mm-hmm. like we're gonna kill a dragon and you see him get serious and i think that's the thing about scanlon is like he has that side of, of him and he does mm-hmm. take things seriously when he needs to and i think mm-hmm. that's a scene of like you can see him like things matter to him yeah yeah I think that's the group. That's the group. 
Let's talk but villains then, kind of as a whole. The Briarwoods. Oh, so Sir Briarwood, he's a, a vampire. Silas. Silas. So okay. I, is he an undead? Yeah, Tommy. What is Silas? <laughs> yeah, so we can talk about Silas, and I think this is also a good part to talk about like Matt in general, and just like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can actually see Matt multiple times throughout the the season as uh, they have a random guard and it's like it's Matt like they just made him and it's always something bad happens like he's the guy that Stanley <laughs> pees on he's the guy that gets beat up by the group like I love fun. that um, but Silas is so good and I'm glad they had Matt voice him because he does a good job with it he is a vampire so like we see um, in that scene of like them basically praying to Beckna and like he, you know, Beckna makes him a, a vampire uh, to keep mm. him alive. And I, I love that they gave him a backstory. Like both Briar, like you kind of, I, I like, I was kind of rooting for him for love. They're, they did they're sympathetic villains. It's mm-hmm. great. Anytime I broke can, the world for you. Oh, yeah, it's so good. Oh, it, that is great. And it, there's just something always classic about the lover who like, does whatever they can to keep their their other uh, mm-hmm. significant other from dying and she made the hard choice she was like all right we're gonna have this life of evil immortality i guess and it's always great and so small detail silas's blade i screamed when it started <laughs> eating people's blood or i don't even know absorbing <laughs> it and getting bigger i was like what a cool weapon like i said that first fight between the briarwoods and when they all bust out that uh-huh. that from that moment on i was hooked i was like that was such a great fight scene craven's edge oh, and uh, someone grabbed blood? it at the end so we'll Who see what grabbed happens. it i missed it tell me Grog. Or do we not know? Grog has it? Grog. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because uh, the blade was just as cool as Silas was. It's yeah. a 50-50 character to me. <laughs> yeah. Craven's Edge is great. There's a lot there. Um, and yeah, the Briarwoods are just a, a, a fun a fun group. I also like one of the things I want to note about them is like we think about like Percy, right? And like this is like so big in his life. This is an impacting moment that matters so much. The thing that I don't know if the show has shown it too much is like the Brywoods don't care about Del Rolos. It's not even like they have a personal vendetta and that's why they killed him. They needed the the the, the land. They needed yeah. the, the Ziggurat. Mm-hmm. So it's like they, all that torturing, all that like killing their whole family just for just them. Just it, it's like it's like the saying I think about is like for you, that was the biggest moment of your life. For me, it was just a Tuesday. Like that's yeah. how I feel about the Brywoods. What, what's that madman quote? It's like always in memes where he he goes. I don't think about you at all. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't even think about you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I personally actually really like the the Thanos one where Wanda's like, "You took everything from me," and he goes, "I don't even know who you are." <laughs> so good. Or you know, there's a classic, actually, a better one in Civil War where uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, Scott goes, <laughs> they're in jail, and uh, Scott Pym goes, or he goes, Hank Pym always said, "Never trust a Stark." He's like, "Who are you?" <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> That one's actually probably the best. He goes, Um, but the same way I felt about Percy, like not expecting to have to like keep up with who these people are. So after watching the first two episodes, I was like, like, okay, so it's two episode arcs. They introduced this vampire guy. Let's wrap this up in a tidy two episodes. And I was like, no, oh, man, they're sticking around this whole season. Oh, they're the main, they're the villain. <laughs> this was good. Yeah. The pacing was a bit odd in that way, but it was yeah. the better of the two stories. So I'm glad they For stuck sure. with it. And it's, it is like one of those moments where it's like when they show up in, at the end of episode two, I love that introduction. And they're just, yeah. 
they're so evil. Like the whole feast where, the, uh, you know, we're kind of talking about Delilah too, but Delilah, like with their wine over her face and she's like, yeah, the poor Del Rolos, they just, you know, they gave it to us. And, and she knows that Percy's right yeah. there and she's just mm-hmm. doing it just to spite him. And it's, uh, they are fun villains to root against. Just because I need to know, what is her spell she's doing where the shadows are like stabbing people? <laughs> Um, oh, I do. Oh, not I don't to quiz know you too hard. It's yeah. so cool. This is what I'm saying is their opening fight. He whips out this amazing blood sucking blade and she's got like shadows stabbing people left and right. I literally was like, holy shit. These guys are cool. I believe and it's it, finger of death. Sorry, not to. Ooh, that's a cool name. So it sounds like something that Scanlon would have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tingle of death. <laughs> <laughs> Scanlon tingle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, they are great villains. I'm glad yeah. they were like the main season villains because like you said, it, it just, I think I've said this like nine times. It just feels so true to D and D they have mm-hmm. a connection to a character. They're part yes. of the main story, but at the end of the day, it's the whole, it's the, it's the, I don't even think about you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Percy's like dedicating his whole life to killing them. And they're just like, I don't know. You're an insignificant immortal or mortal. Yeah. Shout out Gray Griffin. We, you know, we should, mentioned her earlier recognized it right away i was like that mm-hmm. has to be azula yeah and she is so good at the villainess as uh, delilah briarwood yeah, yeah she's villain. incredible and like she has like talked a little bit and like she loves delilah like it definitely was a fun character for her to play and i i think it's mm-hmm. easy to be like oh she's just gonna do the azula voice but i think like uh bridge you said it of like it is different. Like there it are different. like it's nuanced. Yeah. yeah, it is different. You can catch it. You definitely notice it. And there are a couple of times where I was like, "Oh, hey, that was Azula." But um, <laughs> no, for the most part, it is different and it's nuanced. And I love to hear that she like was into the character and took it on. And yeah. ah, the whole feel of this, even you telling me their kids were in it, like this just has like like a, like a family startup feel to it as far as TV mm-hmm. shows come. Yeah. And there's just something heartwarming about that. You know what I mean? It's your local mom and pop shop of TV shows. Like we got to support it. That's why yeah. oh, it's great. And that's like what they could do because they had the money networks couldn't really tell them what to do because it's like, Hey, we're funding this ourselves. And so they were able to keep that kind of like family vibe that they've always had. Yeah. It feels very true to them. It does not, it doesn't feel like there was much studio interference, if any. Mm-hmm. So the final showdown between yeah, Vox yeah. Machina and the Briarwoods in the Ziggurat? Is that what it's yeah, called? Ziggurat, yeah, Ziggurat, yeah. Yeah, trust yourself, Evan. You got oh, this. Don't say it's Scanlan's way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just love watching all the battle scenes, and I like the fighting. Like Alex had said, it's it's like watching a D&D anime, which mm-hmm. it is, so you are. But just seeing these things realized on the screen is so cool on a major streamer. There were times where I felt like, and maybe it's a, uh, a facet of it, you know, having to follow the campaign, but I felt it may have dragged on like a beat or two too long. It's realistic. These fights are long, baby. <laughs> they take but forever like, and they take a lot of moves to take down the big bad. Yeah, it's not yeah. a one, two, three, four. Sure. We done. We did it. <laughs> my one, my one gripe with the finale, the final showdown is they beat the Briarwoods. Percy is about to kill one of them and Vex stands in front of uh, whoever it is he's about to shoot. Maybe it's Lady Briarwood. I was like, wow, that's a very emotional, powerful moment. And then like 
10 minutes later, maybe it's even the next episode. I don't remember, but he's about to shoot someone again. He's fighting the demon and the whole team stands in front of whoever he's about to shoot. Like, Come on. And he just robbed that first moment, which was a lot more powerful of its power. Like, uh, so, you know, if uh, it dragged for me a little bit, but yeah, I did. I hear that. I saw that more as like, it's not just Vex that cares about, like it's like the sure, whole yeah. team cares about Percy, but I get what you're saying. It's like, you're doing this uh, take two. Like, it's yeah. <laughs> come on now all together this time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, the thing I love, it, just like I said, the fight scenes in this show are top notch. I mean, they, they are on par with some of the best animes I've ever seen in fight scenes. So like, just kudos to them. The animation in these fight scenes are so well done and it's still reminiscent of a, like a real D and D fight. They work together. They do things. They support each other. They heal each other. It, it's, it's cooperative and that's, yes. it, it's not just everyone running in, taking a swing, getting beaten. And then the next one charges in, they do things together. They plan that's, and I love that they always seem to either don't have a plan and they'll be like, Oh, we don't have a plan or they'll be like, okay, let's plan. And they plan. It, it's good. Yeah. It's really well done, and I just love the visual of the 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 demon in Percy and the 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 plague mask on his mm-hmm. face and the shadows of it all. Because I I didn't I didn't catch that the mask wasn't like a real thing. If that makes sense, like I thought he was putting on that mask when he was killing people. He was. So That's- I thought it was like a physical mask he was putting on and off, not like shadows forming on his he face. Excuses himself for a moment yeah. every time. Yeah, I'll be right back, guys. No, that was a real mask until <laughs> at the end it becomes shadows. Oh, but it, okay. But it was like a physical mask because you see it on his like room. You see it like hanging mm, there. Like, okay, that's... okay, okay. Yeah, but oh. it was still it was a great visual. It was so cool yeah, seeing it yeah. intertwined with the shadows and the demon. Let me let me ask you guys this: the finale, his his finale with the demon. He sh- shoots his own hand, and it leaves through the hole and like that exercises the demon what's was it in his hand or like what's, what's happening it's the bullet i think it's the book okay. okay he forfeits th- it forfeits a soul remember uh, he's like you idiot you just forfeited your soul now when you get shot with it the soul goes to that demon so it's almost like i, I don't know tommy explain it to me yeah so <laughs> i first want to say yeah the battle's epic and like i think kudos to like the animation crew, uh, Titmouse, like they're a big part of this. And like one of the fun facts is like uh, the main guy, the art director was, a, is a critter, which is the name of like the, the fans critical role. So it's like they're critters. And he, so he was, he was doing things that like, they wouldn't even think about. And he's like, Oh yeah, you guys did this in episode blank, blank where I'm going to like put this mm-hmm. in the background, stuff like that. So the, the, the demon smoke monster is called Orthax. And I think how I interpreted it was the demon was still there. Cause obviously it was in the gun. But it temporarily like restrained Orthax. Like it's like it, it, it like basically was such a surprising move that like mm-hmm. I think Orthax had to heal almost. It was almost an attack on Orthax. So I think it's okay. like that's how I took it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was dope visually though. I didn't even question it. Now I'm questioning yeah. it now a little, but like in the moment, I was just like, yeah, my fit. Yeah. When he did it, I was like, wouldn't it have made more sense for him to shoot his shooting hand <laughs> like, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> really yeah. incapacitate this trigger happy demon <laughs> yeah he, was great. he is a trigger happy demon um he's, it was he's so good it was a great visual like i said with most like demons you're gonna think of like magic and spells but like this demon's like no i'm gonna shoot you in the fucking head <laughs> my favorite shot was the one where it's uh, two i love uh when percy does take off the mask and he's just trembling and crying in his yeah, eyes that was um, great and then i love 
when it's like the the dream world whatever and it's like percy standing there and for scale you see this giant beaked monster looking down Mm -hmm. on him like it's so good there are a lot of really good visuals i wouldn't be able to point to them like you just did but there was many moments where i was like oh this is like a great shot right here you know what i mean multiple times for episodes i was like i just love this visually and Mm -hmm. i think it it's a testament to the animators like they were good with still shots and they were good with the the motion of it all like nothing was lost on me it was it was really well animated yeah and we'll never we'll never know if the briarwood succeeded or not either that's the thing like it was it too early like you know you'll never know yeah Mm -hmm. that's i love it that's ah that's great though because it's just matt leaving it open he's like maybe we'll be back maybe he he still goes like you know we talk about it like campaign three it's still set in the same world. So there's so many ties, so many things. He brings up characters. He recently, uh, he brought up a character that is from campaign one. And it's like, great. it's cool. When the, and they know, they like pick it up. They're like, wait, what? And they're like, <laughs> like it's what name so did you say? Like, I think I heard that before. <laughs> yeah. ah, it sounds cool. familiar. I don't from like seven years ago. And I was going to say, it's, it's a long it. time yeah. ago now for them. Yeah. They've been doing this for a while. Oh, it's cool. Really yeah. cool. Um, Ending scene is great. There's a ton of characters we really weren't able to cover because there's a lot of characters in this show. And that's mm-hmm. part of what makes it great is that it yeah. feels like a very full world with mm-hmm. real things going on in it. Um, I, I think the thing I would compare it to that we've talked about recently is Arcane on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And after some soul searching, I think I liked this more than Arcane. Not by like a lot. Not like where I'm like, Arcane was trash compared to this because I really liked Arcane. But I think just the tie-in element of like the 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 grassroots of it all really mm-hmm. is, puts this over the edge to me. That's a fair statement. Tommy, I'll let you go last. But I would say if I had to put it up next to Arcane, I'd probably choose Arcane. This mm-hmm. was... For someone who's dabbled a little bit in D anD D, this was—it's just cool to see. And this is probably what people love about Arcane as well. It's just cool to see these things that have been niche in a way, yeah. you know, nerd culture, come to the forefront, be fully realized. This is the shit you're envisioning when you're swashbuckling on your couch <laughs> with your brother when you're seven years old. Is like yeah. after you first watched Lord of the Rings or some shit. It's like that's the feeling you're chasing. And I think they, they get, they capture it at at some points of this. I didn't love some of the adult animation stuff, but if you love fantasy, uh, I would almost compare it to the Witcher nightmare of the wolf animated movie. Um, it's akin to that where it's just great action. Love seeing stuff that wouldn't be very achievable with like practical effects or CGI effects in a, in a live action movie, unless you had bazillions of dollars, but <laughs> it's a good, it's a, you know, if you're interested in D and D or fantasy stuff, this is a, this is a, 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 a good watch. I'll say, um, I have my gripes. It would be irresponsible of me not to, but uh, overall it's a good watch. Zero gripes from me. Tommy, go on. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, obviously I'm biased. I think what, uh, like, I think the people that come in from critical role are always going to love it because it's like, it's your thing. Mm -hmm. It's your baby and you're seeing it and you're seeing it come to life. And uh, I think like, I love arcane. I think that's really well. And I think for the people who are league of legends fans, they probably feel very similar to Mm -hmm. that where it's like, Oh, it's my thing. Like it's here. Um, I think they do such a good job of of creating the world. And I I was worried. I definitely came in very tepid of like, it's a lot, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and also, like I said, they're, they're not giving you the origin. They're throwing you right into something that's like, 
a couple arcs in and mm-hmm. i feel like they did a good job of establishing the characters establishing the lore as much as they can there's probably things that are confusing and probably you know space where you're like uh, okay I'm, I'm not gonna think too much about it but for the most part as someone who knows a lot of the lore i'm like they they covered a lot you know and and yeah. i thought they did it uh pretty organically that's great i think those might have been some good closing thoughts but do we have any sort of really big final thoughts i think for me we really just hit on some really good ones there. But for me, I think what's great about this is the dynamic storytelling, the 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 roots of it all. Even though I was not there from day one, I can still like marvel in their success. I think that's really cool. I love the the startup feel of it, if you will, which, you know, they're not anymore. They've made it. They're, they're mainstream. Mm-hmm. They got a TV show on Amazon. That's huge. Yeah. And so I love that. It's exciting. And it's just... It, visually and like it's a great way to bring a a medium that's all imagination essentially it was a really good rendition of of what these true D &D fans i think really want to see out of a show so the dungeons and dragon movie better better step up to the plate (laughs) i'm nervous for that i think it's (laughs) we'll see but yeah i think i think you said it and like i think the last thing i would want to talk about is just the 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 end end with mm-hmm. like the hint to season two oh, of what yeah. could be coming. And also like, I would like to hear like your thoughts of like, what things would you want to see them explore more? And maybe Ooh. they, I, I'll keep quiet and won't, it won't give any things, but yeah, I love the, the, you know, you see it, you see the dragon coming and it's one and then it's, it's four of them. Yeah. It's great. And it they set it up with the, yeah. And you got the, you know, David Tennant's character. They're coming, they're coming to avenge. <laughs> so for me, that was a good cliffhanger. I'm sure it has significance for a lot of people. But I was just like, oh, damn, four dragons are coming now. You know what I mean? It was hard to beat one dragon. So that was cool. Yeah. For me, I want to see um, in season two, I really would like to – wow, I don't know. I just – I need like a, a backstory like Percy's from someone. And I, I kind of want to be surprised if that makes sense because mm-hmm. I really liked that I was surprised that, oh, oh, this is Percy's backstory. Oh, he's the main character. <laughs> I kind of wanted to come up like that if that makes sense because that feels true to D&D uh, nature. Yeah, having zero background, the, the cliffhanger, I was like, okay, so there's – more dragons now. <laughs> yeah, that was me All too. Right. <laughs> I guess I should care. But, but um, from a season two, I, I think Alex nailed it on the head. I can really appreciate the crowd sourced, crowd funded community feel. And even though it wasn't my favorite show of all time, I will be rooting for it. If there's a season two, I'll check it out. Definitely. From a season two, I'd want to see. I, I hope they can maybe set aside some of the uh, lean mm. less into the adult animation raunchy jokes. That none of that stuff landed for me. I think I really loved the lore in the world building. I need more lore. Yeah, yeah. I, I know this is a huge, huge world, and I need more of it. The nerd in me is like, I'm gonna eat it all up. And I think they know that people didn't love the the raunchiness. I th- I'm mm-hmm. hoping that they picked up on that. I'm hoping that like they do pull it back a little bit and focus on on this next arc. Uh, it's called the Chroma Conclave. That's all I'll say. And uh, it is people like people we talk about the Briarwood being like the first arc people are like ooh Comer Conclave is everyone's favorite arc this oh is God. a big mm-hmm. one not and me wanting to look it up and spoil myself don't do I'm gonna, it. no I'm not going to I really want to but I'm not going to it's it's yeah. people's favorite arc because there's a ooh. lot that goes on yeah that's a good that, way to do a cliffhanger that's got me intrigued for sure um Tommy thank you so much for yeah. 
coming oh on the God. pod and sharing your actual expertise on, on the topic. Yeah, you, you backed up. I, yeah. I set you up perfectly. You didn't yeah. let us down in the beginning. You did not let us down. This was all. a good time. I had a lot of laughs along the way. Mm-hmm. This was good. Um, I really think if you are somehow this far into this and you haven't watched the show, you really should go check it out yeah. at this point. If, if you've liked what we've been talking about, this is a good show for you. Mm-hmm. Tommy, before we let you go, uh, anything you want to plug? Yeah, I... Uh... I have things, you know. Uh, I have a podcast called Stark Wars. You guys, you know, are you know, there's something he wants to plug. Why? Weird question. Go on, Tommy. Sorry. No, you know, today tell, I don't want to where they can find you. Sorry, it's a much less awkward. Tea no, uh, yeah, I mean, on Twitter, I am Tommy's Tidbits. If you ever want to talk to me, you can find me there. I'm also over on the PSR Discord uh, post show recaps. If you ever want to join them, they're a great community. Another podcast that I'm very close to. Um, and so like that's a good that's where I do the D&D so you can always join and join our D&D campaign and then otherwise yeah I have a podcast with a good friend uh, Michael O'Rear called Stark Wars uh, we will be covering Moon Knight soon so that's going to be coming up and uh, in the meantime on this podcast I've been on uh, shit 90 shows recently like in the last week I did shit 90 shows where I covered Boy Meets World it's that spicy Topanga Cory breakup time it's ooh, oh. it's real intense which one go on <laughs> yeah I know the, ca- the cabin stuff oh okay cabin. no I actually oh. know which one you're talking yeah. about then okay <laughs> yeah and then uh, so I covered that and then I went on uh, one indescribable podcast which is a crazy ex-girlfriend podcast covering an episode there it was some wedding talk so you know i got into my my wedding side and uh, uh lots of good times and then you know check those out you're just awesome. a busy podcast bee yeah. <laughs> buzz 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 <laughs> good stuff <laughs> thanks for coming we loved having you yes. here tommy always a pleasure yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I think that'll do it for this episode of Two Dudes Watch Cartoons. If you want more Two Dudes, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Follow us at Two Dudes Watch Cartoons on Instagram and at Two Dudes Watch on Twitter. We put out new episodes every two weeks and we love to hear from you guys. We'll catch you next time. Two Dudes Watch Cartoons.